do you budget for the holidays? I should, but I usually don't. <laughs> so you know it's like a thing I need to do, but you're like, eh, whatever. I'll just spend whatever I spend. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Do you guys budget for the holidays? Absolutely not. Somewhat. So you just kind of wing it? Do you feel it out? I ask my wife when I'm buying. <laughs> that's totally fair. Do you budget for the holidays, like when you're spending? Not really. Uh, how much do you think you usually spend on gifts? Oh, I know. I usually spend between a thousand and fifteen hundred for holiday spending. What do you think you spend on gifts? Between everybody, I try to keep it simple, close to a thousand. Do you spend any extra around Black Friday? I usually end up buying more for myself on Black Friday than I do for others. Did you guys overspend last year? I always overspend. <laughs> In my mind. Just so generous. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, but only by a little, I think. I didn't know until about the end of January until I saw the credit card statement. Ooh, always comes back to get you. Do you feel any pressure to buy for family or friends around the holidays? Yes, I do. I spend Christmas with my whole family. Is there like a conversation that's like, hey, here's what we're doing for Christmas. Everyone's going to get each other one gift or is it kind of a free-for-all? Um, we try to do the white elephant, but people started buying for everybody else. They couldn't hold back, so that didn't work out. So, yeah, it's just been a free-for-all the last couple of years. Do you guys feel pressure at all to buy gifts for friends and family? Buy for everybody. However, I have a little caveat. I just got divorced, so my Christmas shopping list just literally got chopped in half. You saved some money this year. Absolutely. <laughs> From Ramsey Network, this is The Fine Print, a show where we talk about the hidden truths that are keeping you broke. I'm George Camel, and this week we're talking about a season that some people call the most wonderful time of the year. Nope, not Girl Scout cookie season. That's coming in January. I'm talking about the holiday season. But for lots of people, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most stressful time of the year. And not just because you're forced to talk politics with your Uncle Rico or stomach your way through Aunt Debbie's prepackaged, dehydrated brick of stale bread called fruitcake. It's also stressful because it's about to be an unprecedented holiday season. Yeah, I thought we were done with that word too, but here we are. If you're brave enough to read the headlines lately, you know that global supply chain issues are causing clogged ports, a stressed trucking industry, labor shortages, higher demand, and higher shipping costs. According to the Freydos Index, the median cost of sending one of those big metal shipping containers from China to the West Coast hit $20,586 in September 2021, which is a record high. That's nearly double what it cost in July and four times what it cost in January. What the Freydos is going on here? Well, pretty simple, actually. The pandemic prompted factories to shut down all over the world because of quarantine and lower consumer demand. As the lockdowns lifted, consumer demand skyrocketed, but the supply chain couldn't keep up. That was due to a worker shortage and a lack of raw materials. Oh, and the icing on this already crumbling cake is the delays and problems with shipping by cargo ships, trains, and trucks. Stay with me. Here's why this matters for you. All of that craziness is impacting the manufacturing and the shipment of toys, electronics, clothing, and more, AKA the stuff you want to buy this holiday season. It kind of feels like the plot of the 1996 classic Christmas movie, Jingle All the Way, is about to become real life. Let me remind you of how awesome this movie was. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad battling to find a sold out Turbo Man action figure on Christmas Eve. And let me tell you, chaos ensues. 
speaking of chaos, at the time of this recording, Goldman Sachs reported that 77 ships carrying $24 billion worth of goods are stuck outside the Port of Los Angeles and Port of Long Beach. And here's the craziest part. About 40% of all U.S. imports enter through these two ports. That's a $24 billion bottleneck. And Goldman Sachs estimates that the time it takes for a ship to make it through the port has now tripled. All right, enough port talk. Here's what that means for you. Retailers have a strong hunch that there's going to be a shortage of goods and higher than normal prices this holiday season. What type of goods, you ask? Well, according to Wirecutter, this could impact batteries, TVs, gaming consoles, laptops, cell phones, bicycles, books, stand mixers, and cordless vacuums. No, not cordless vacuums. I'd rather have a lump of coal than a corded vacuum under my tree. Basically, all the things you want might be real expensive and hard to get. What all this could lead to is overspending like we've never seen before. According to Ramsey Solutions' Q3 State of Personal Finance study, individual consumers intend to spend an average of $641 on gifts and other holiday items in 2021. The study also found that 29% of people will not save for Christmas beforehand. So what do these intentions and a lack of saving all add up to? Well, the National Retail Federation found that consumers collectively spent $790 billion on gifts and other purchases in the last two months of 2020. That's almost four times the net worth of Jeff Bezos. With $790 billion being spent on the holidays, surely people have $790 billion to spend, right? Wrong. MagnifyMoney.com reports that roughly 33% of Americans went into the red during the 2020 holiday season, with the average borrower racking up almost $1,400 in debt. So if you're tracking with me, our Ramsey study found that about one-third of people will not save for Christmas, and this Magnify Money study found that one-third of people went into debt over holiday spending. Coincidence? I think not. And listen, no one is immune to overspending, not even our fans. We polled more than 12,000 of our YouTube audience and asked them if they overspend during the holiday season. And a whopping 53% of them said yes. Overspending is just one bad ingredient in this holiday season fruitcake. In light of the supply chain issues and increasingly aggressive retail strategies, the holiday shopping season has also gotten much, much longer. It used to kick off the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday. But now, according to MasterCard's 2021 Spending Pulse research, the holiday sales cycle starts about 75 days before Christmas. That means the candy canes are right there next to the candy corn. And pumpkin spice lattes are now having to compete with peppermint mochas. I know. Is nothing sacred anymore? It's all so very confusing. So in today's episode, we'll unpack how the supply chain and company strategies could affect your wallet and your brain, and how to protect both during this wonky holiday season. To get to the bottom of what's going on in the retail world, I had a conversation with Steve Sadov. He currently serves as a senior advisor at MasterCard and formerly served as the chairman and CEO of Saks Incorporated. Yep, that Saks. Fifth Avenue Saks. High-end retail Saks. Steve knows his stuff when it comes to consumer behavior and holiday retail strategy. So I asked him what you can do as a consumer to make sure you have a happy holiday. To keep things moving here, let me sum up our conversation. Steve said that due to supply chain issues and how long it's taking to get things, people need to get an extra early start to their holiday shopping. 
On top of that, low inventory means you may want to have a plan B and C in case you can't get the exact gifts you want. And when it comes to deals and savings, he said you shouldn't expect a lot of hot deals like you've seen in years past. Retailers aren't all that desperate to give out deals this year thanks to limited inventory and way too much demand. And MasterCard's research shows that anticipated holiday sales are going to be massive this year, with luxury retail seeing 92% growth and jewelry items seeing 60% growth compared to last year's season. Basically, it's extra expensive to be bougie this year. So shop early, have some alternatives in mind, and don't plan on big savings. All thanks to product scarcity. Thanks, global supply chain and labor shortages. Retailers are very much aware of all of this and might be using it to their advantage this holiday season. And with the advent of online retail and same-day delivery, the competition for your money is more fierce than ever. And retailers are using a mix of timeless tactics and high-tech strategy to get you to buy. Now hear me say that selling is not a bad thing and marketing is not an evil thing. But you've got to understand the often subtle tricks of the trade that prey upon your emotions and cause you to spend more money than you plan to which can add stress to the season and debt to your financial life. To help you avoid getting sucked into a vortex of spending, I sat down with Dr. Kelly Goldsmith. She's a behavioral scientist, professor of marketing at Vanderbilt University, and has a PhD from Yale. If you weren't impressed enough already, she was also a contestant on the TV show Survivor. I couldn't hope for a better person to talk to about surviving, pun very much intended, some of the traps that retailers will be trying to set for us this holiday season. This is going to be a good time uh, because you are a behavioral scientist, and I, this is from the bio, but I just love the way it's worded, who examines people's responses to goals and threats, uncovering and explaining seemingly paradoxical effects. I know. I spent a long time on that sentence. That's a it great does, sentence. Thank you. It sounds good. What are those paradoxical effects? I'm very curious. The first thing that I examined, actually winding it way back to when I was a grad school student, we examined how people responded to uncertainty. And the paradoxical effect was that a lot of times what you'll see with something when you're getting something good like you want a sure thing so if you had a lottery for example between you could get $50 for certain or you could get this lottery ticket where it's either $100 or $0 people go with the $50 for certain so there's this tried and true fact in the literature that consumers prefer certainty but then there's this paradox because if you look at some marketing tactics what you find is that consumers can actually respond really well to uncertainty. So like the McDonald's uh, Monopoly game, for example, where you don't know what you're going to get. So we did some research trying to dig into when is uncertainty a good thing or a bad thing in terms of getting consumers interested. And we've done the same with scarcity too. That's cool. So when it comes to holiday spending, Mm -hmm. consumers, they tend to go on a different level mentally and emotionally. We kind of of go, well, whatever, it's the holidays and treat yourself Mm -hmm. and whatever the budget is, who cares? I need to make sure that my people are are taken care of and I impress the mother-in-law and I get myself some stuff too. So let's talk about this idea of scarcity marketing that Mm -hmm. you have really dug into a whole lot with your research. Mm -hmm. What are the different types of scarcity marketing and what is it? Well, scarcity marketing is a mainstay of the marketer's toolkit that has probably been around since people started selling stuff back in the day. And really, when we look at the common forms of scarcity marketing in today's marketplace, we've got limited time to buy, 
limited number available, things like that. There's also scarcity on promotions, right? But so limited time to buy, limited number available. Objective scarcity is when we're actually running out of something that we need. So if you think about, I'm just going to give a a high-end example, but if you think about uh, Louis Vuitton or Hermes or these companies that make, we only make 100 of this ridiculously high-end, very expensive handbag, that's objective scarcity. They're not going to make more. If you don't get it now, you're not going to get it later, et cetera. Then there's what we call subjective scarcity, when you probably can get access to it, but marketers are pulling a lever to make you feel like that access is threatened. And I think about this a lot today with respect to time scarcity promotion. So this like limited time to buy offers, because I'm just trying to think of like with technology products, for example, we often see limited time or limited time on deals. Well, in this day and age with the internet and with consumer empowerment and our increased access to information and the decreased search costs, so we can look across different retailers you can usually find it, right? So this notion that things are ever scarce uh, in terms of time scarcity, like it's ever really a limited time to buy, I think that's less true today than it's been in the past. So as we enter this holiday spending season, what are those areas that, that consumers should be skeptical and they should be taking a real hard look at if this is a deal or not and should I be buying this? That is a really good question. I will say, I can't specifically say like, okay, you guys, this year it's going to be flat screen TVs, etc. I would say just empower yourself, go online because there's so many deal aggregators and data aggregators who can actually tell you what places are giving meaningful discounts on. And I will say from my own experience in research, places like a Walmart or a Target, when they have these doorbusters to get you in the door, there are always products that are legitimately a good deal, but there's plenty that aren't, right? So I would say do your homework ahead of time. We all know the holidays are coming. Budget for it. Plan around it. And go into any retailers or even online retailers with a strategic plan, knowing what you want to get and what you don't want to get, and don't get sucked into the hype. Yeah, we dug into MasterCards. They have a spending pulse report they did. And the shopping, the holiday season is now 75 days, which is just wild. So it's starting way earlier. And part of that is due to some scarcity mindset around, well, things may run out. There's supply chain issues. It may take longer for me to get the things that I want. So explain how those big shopping days between, let's say, you know, Black Friday, Thanksgiving and Christmas are built around scarcity marketing. I mean, this is their Super Bowl. It is absolutely their Super Bowl. I mean, there's some retailers where it's 80 percent of their sales happen in the holiday season. And actually, the same is true for charities. They get 80% of their donations at this time. So there's a lot of people with their hands out looking for your wallet this time of year. I would say the fact that you said that the holiday season has gotten longer, I actually think of that as being a good thing for consumers. Because to me... If you want to be a smart shopper, have the holiday season be all year long. Like, we always know it's coming. We always know when we're going to be giving gifts. You even know when your friends and family, when their birthdays are, et cetera. If you always like to get your mom the same perfume, keep track. It will go on sale at some point during the year. Buy it then, and then you can give it to her during the holidays. So I think it really benefits consumers to the extent we can decouple the urgency of the holiday with our need for purchase, because that's going to allow us to have more thought, more runway, and more control over the situation. Because, again, we're being thoughtful about saving, etc. And I would say if, you know, if you're the type of person that gets a bit of a holiday hangover where after it's done, you regret the spending, remember that. And then next year, go into it and make the holidays a year-round activity where you can be thinking about it and be thoughtful and not get caught up in the hype and the justification. Because to your point, it is very psychological. And it's hard not to listen to that justification, which I think enables comfortable spending specifically among people who maybe 
throughout the year don't feel so comfortable indulging themselves. Another thing that's very psychological uh, that deals with why we spend too much when we have this time pressure or we have these scarcity marketing tactics, like if we see something we care about running out, we got to go in and get ours. And I think that impulse, even if we're being very sane and rational, it's hard to override. And marketers know this. They're leveraging that instinct we all have to try to get ours when the world is running out of stuff. But in reality, right, the world's not running out of stuff. In reality, that same flat screen TV is going to be cheaper after the holidays if you wait. So I think, again, the more we can approach these decisions from that colder, more abstract, more distant mindset, have a plan, it only benefits us. So how can consumers spot this scarcity marketing uh, technique and what can they do so they're not manipulated by them? The key is just be prepared. And I understand that being prepared requires some what we call cognitive bandwidth. And you need some room in your brain to have a plan for how you're going to spend in the holidays. And I'm telling you, you need that room in your brain in, in January for the following holidays, right? But I think if you actually implement the practice, if you get that spreadsheet, you find you're spreading it out across 12 months, right? It's actually less stressful. Yeah, I feel like it takes the emotion out. And like Mm -hmm. you're saying, when you plan ahead and you do your research and you feel like you made a wise decision that wasn't made out of impulse, that is the best form of winning. It really is. More than the dopamine rush of a last-minute Black Friday deal. Right. It's like eating too much sugar, right? Like you eat a bunch of sugar and yeah, you feel the dopamine rush and you feel like kind of good in your body and then you feel bad afterwards. And the same is true if you go to a retailer and you bust out the credit card and you're spending way more than you intended to. There is a bit of a high that happens in the moment. And I think the addiction literature, that's why shopping is classified as an addiction, right? Because it can give, at least for some people, it can give you that sense of a rush or a high that you want to get again. And, you know, don't do that. You know, we don't need to be the single-handedly keep Walmart in business, right? There's plenty of people that are assisting in that campaign. You're not beholden to the retailer because trust me when I say the retailer is not beholden to you. So like, let's take care of ourselves and let's feel good about being thoughtful all year. That's a great spot to wrap. Professor Goldsmith, thank you so much for bringing us a whole bunch of wisdom on this podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. If you want some help sticking to your financial plan this holiday season, I've got you covered. Our team here at Ramsey created a slick budgeting app called Every Dollar. It helps you make it easy to tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. You can sign up for free by texting the word FINEPRINT9 to 33789. That's FINEPRINT followed by the numeral 9, all one word, to 33789. Or just tap the link in the episode show notes. The holiday struggle is real. Dr. Goldsmith just showed us how all this pressure from marketing campaigns, a scarcity mindset, and overspending can lead to stress and regret. The holiday hangover may not be from eggnog this year, although that much dairy and alcohol can't be helping anything. Instead, the holiday hangover could be from overspending thanks to this supply chain fiasco. If that pressure wasn't enough, making last-minute purchases with inflated prices can be made worse by the expectations our family has on gift-giving. That might leave you with a busted budget or worse, a busted relationship. And I spoke to a listener named Carly who shared a heartbreaking story of how family expectations led her to a bunch of debt and even more heartache. So take us back to a few years ago uh, when it came to holiday spending, where was your head at and what were you guys struggling with? We weren't prepared for grown-up life. (laughs) And our income definitely was just enough. And so the holidays would come and, you know, I had been used to buying my family presents. My husband, his whole family went all out at Christmas. And so we had this huge list and no money. So we would 
do our best to get what we could. Every time we would try to come up with a realistic budget, we would be met with a lot of disapproval and disappointment from his family. And eventually we would end up racking up more debt just to try and like keep everybody happy. It was always met with like this disappointing, but you could have done better. One year I had suggested that we draw names and they were so mad at me because it was just ridiculous that I would suggest we not go all out on gifts, that we scale it back a little bit. So you told the in-laws, hey, we can't we can't spend a lot this Christmas, and they lost their minds over that. It wasn't a good reaction. Like, it took me finally saying, I'm sorry, but no, we can't this year. They were really mad about that. <laughs> it was, uh, that didn't go over. Um so this is a different year. So one year you said, hey, we can only do $30, and they were very mad. Mm-hmm. The next year you said, hey, we're not going to do gifts at all. We're just going to do some food, snacks, candy, and just have a good time. Yep. And then that was kind of the breaking point, I guess. Um, I brought it up in September because I knew it was going to be a battle. They really like gifts, whereas we're more minimal. We'd rather have people. And I said, why don't we just do lunch and candies and cookies and games and let the kids play and just relax for a couple hours? Like, why do we need all of this big show? And that didn't go over very well. And they said, well, we have to get them something. And we fought for weeks about what gifts would look like. It's not the thing. I just don't want to do the stress. Like, we just need to find a calmer way to handle Christmas. So we remember why we're getting together. So you were you were all about the presence, and they were about the presence with a T. Yes. <laughs> Very different. Exactly. Yes. How much debt do you remember going into uh, during the holidays? Oh, at least 500. But when you think about the fact that we didn't even have 100, it was a lot. So you were going $500 into credit card debt to try to make family members happy And it still wasn't enough. Yes. What did that feel like? It hurt. It was just emotionally exhausting. So what happened to the relationship with your in-laws over this Christmas present drama? That was the last time we saw them. Whoa. So how long has it been since you've talked to them or seen them? Well, officially it would have been January 1st of 2020. They still would meet us at church occasionally, but they weren't speaking to us. And finally, last fall, we said, we just can't do this anymore. Um, Please don't call. Please don't show up. Just give us some space. Um, You haven't seen your in-laws in nearly two years mm -hmm. because of a $30 Christmas gift. Yes. So what's the plan for this Christmas? Right now, we don't have any. Uh, My family will do lunch at some point. And my husband and I budget about $125 a kid. They get one or two small toys they've been looking at, and then any clothes they need. You know, they wear out shoes and pants quickly, so. Wow. Well, I'm sorry you went through all that. That's tough to lose relationships and lose family over something as silly as a, a Christmas gift. That's. I feel bad for my kids. They knew things weren't great, but to lose their grandparents, you know, our youngest son may never know them. And my family lives much further away, so they don't get to see them more than about every other month or so. So my children aren't going to have the memories that my husband and I have of our grandparents. 
and they're going to miss out on important experiences. Just Do you have hope that you can repair the relationship with the in-laws? I'm not sure. Mm. Well, Carly, thanks for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. So I, I do hope uh, there is some hope for repair in the future. But either way, I hope it's a stress-free holiday for you guys and your family. Yes, thank you. Unlike the 174 Hallmark Christmas movies out there, Carly's story doesn't have a happy ending. Yet. And yes, that's right. 174 Hallmark Christmas movies, with another 41 coming this season. I'm starting to think that Hallmark might be behind the 75-day holiday cycle. I mean, you'd have to watch almost three movies a day just to get through all 215. Challenge accepted, Hallmark. Challenge accepted. Anyways, when you mix together family dynamics, finances, and expectations, all made worse by a supply chain debacle, it could create a holiday potpourri that smells of resentment and regret. On the bright side, it is possible to reframe expectations, communicate boundaries, and regain some control of our holiday experience. But it's going to take some wisdom and intentionality. And when I think of those two things, I think of my friend Dr. John Deloney. He's a Ramsey personality like me and a leading voice on relationships, mental health, and emotional wellness. He's also got two PhDs, which is two more than I have currently. We jumped in the studio for a conversation about what we can do to keep the holidays happy and avoid the all-too-common relational bad blood. Dr. John Deloney, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This is an exciting topic, and by exciting, I mean uh, it can be stressful for yeah. a lot of people. Holiday spending. It can be exciting in the sense that the dopamine is rushing. <laughs> it can be exciting because there's a herd of people trying to get through you know the doors the and the internet Amazon clicks drivers. And, oh man. how do they do it tip them well <laughs> for real can you tip them i don't know i actually in the pandemic i did it was yeah. it was kind of a thing so let's talk about holiday spending why do you think we feel so obligated this time of year to make family and friends happy by spending on gifts and parties and all kinds of things i think our cultural cachet like the way we express value in our culture is accumulation getting stuff how shiny is it what is the thing that's where we get our cultural sense of value and so it only makes sense that when we want to express love and appreciation for those that we care about that's how we do it by giving them stuff right giving them the shiniest thing that we can afford or that we have access to even if we can't afford it right and so I think, number one, that's the air we breathe right now, which is accumulation of stuff. And so I'm going to show you that, how I love you. It's also how we derive our own relational value, right? So I might buy you the most expensive fancy thing so that you'll think better of me. Or I can prove to you this is how much I love you. And I can tell my buddies, oh, you got your kids that for Christmas? I got my kid this for Christmas. And it's a way that I can get esteem and value in my other outside relationships that don't have anything to do with this, right? So what I buy you becomes a proxy for my way through the world. Yeah, it feels like there's this level where it comes to the holidays. And Gross. Kinda, we kind of spin out of control and we just go, that's the holidays. We're having fun. We'll worry about it later. It's okay if we're a little over the budget. It's worth it because our families are going to be so pleased. The kids are going to love the gifts. Mm -hmm. It's okay if we overspent. Where is the psychology coming from where your brain kind of shuts off and just goes, la, 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 spend, 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 click, click, click? Um, I think we are bombarded with this is the moment that you beat the stores. 
This is the moment that you get that TV for $11 or you get that diamond ring was a million dollars and it's marked down to just this much. And we think we're winning. And so we save up all of that pent up. The stores beat us every, I got to pay my bills every month. I got to go to the grocery store and eat. I've got to buy gasoline. This is the month. These are the two or three months that I get the stores back, right? And it's this competition and, we, and it's so obnoxious. They're beating us again. And again, I think it's, we're exhausted at the end of the year. It's gray. It's cold outside. We're stuck inside. We are a little more lonely, a little bit more sun deprived. And we have a little bit less self-control. That's why we eat like crazy. I mean, we don't, we're not smart. We don't move our bodies very much. We just kind of let the wheels come off of every wagon we drive. And one of those happens to be buying things. And on top of that, during the holidays, you're around family a lot more, mm-hmm. which can be stressful. Mm-hmm. There can be issues with – there's expectations mm-hmm. of, hey, we're all going to spend this amount on each other. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of rally against that? I get to decide my expectations. I don't outsource that to somebody else. Um, my family included, who I love, I haven't given them permission to speak into how I'm going to show them love. <laughs> yeah, family events turn into this weird proving ground for how much have you accomplished this year and where are you in your career and what kind of kid are you going to be and what kind of son are you going to be. And we only have one tool in our culture, which is buy crap. And so we just try to buy all these problems. We try to solve it through purchasing. And we have endless amounts of credit to let us just run amok, right? So you have this uh, kind of a framework for how our brains operate Mm -hmm. when it comes to spending. So uh, lay out what that is. I think it can really help people when it comes to holiday spending to at least get above and go, oh, that's what's happening. Our brains are running on old technology designed to keep us connected to our tribe, not get eaten by a bear, and fight off warring neighbors and mate. That's about what our brain is designed to do. And eat, by the way. That's probably good, too. All of a sudden, the last 200 years, we've been thrust into lots of clicks and dings and driving 95 miles an hour and emails and texts and TikToks and sales. And now I've got computers. I've got algorithms that know me better than I do, and they know my weaknesses better than I do. And it is able to tap into those very primitive fight or flight responses. Are you safe? Are you alone? Are you that kind of kid? What kind of wife are you? What kind of dad treats their kid with those kind of shoes when you could buy those kind of shoes? And what gets activated is fight or flight. And so it's important to know that when you feel those tugs of, I don't want to be the dad that buys my kids those shoes instead of those shoes. That is a a marketing company taking advantage of your biology, man. That's not reality. You love your kid when you give him a pair of shoes. You love your kid even more when you're on all fours playing unicorns or dragons or whatever it is. That's loving your kid, connection, reading to them at night, not buying them thing after thing after thing after thing after thing, especially mortgaging their future on shiny, obnoxious things that are going to be out of date in two weeks anyway. And... What I found in my personal life is when I make the call to all of my family, it says, we're not buying gifts this year, everybody. We are getting together and we're going to have dinner. Nobody's buying anybody anything. We're not doing it. Um, Everybody exhales and they go, oh, thank God. Or when someone says, we're all pitching in $500 for such and such, I'm not pitching in $500. I don't have $500. I'll put in 50 because that's what I've got. And if you don't want to be my friend because of that, then God help us all. (laughs) Right. So there's a lot of 
hard conversations mm-hmm. that I think most people are just unwilling to have because it's awkward. Can I reframe that? I don't think they're hard. They're simple. Kind of like how do you lose weight, diet, and exercise, right? It's not super it's, – So it's not a complicated conversation. There you go. But it can be difficult emotionally there you to go. talk to that The conversation itself is simple. The buildup to that conversation, the fear of that conversation can feel overwhelming. But it's not hard. It is a very quiet and clear boundary. I'm not paying this this year. I'm not spending my money on this. We're buying three gifts this year, kids, and we're going to spend time together. If there's a disappointment with my six-year-old, they're six. They don't get to speak into my self-esteem because they're six. I don't let them make any other decisions in my world. Why would I let them speak into, what kind of dad, you're a terrible father because I should have got an Xbox 7 or a, a pony. This is ridiculous. Like, what are you talking about? We give way too much of our souls to other people to say, are we okay? Mm. There's a lot of comparisons that I feel like happen with the holidays and you know, this person got three gifts that add up to $400 and this person got two gifts and mm-hmm. there starts to be a little bit of resentment. Have you found that to be Absolutely, true? Absolutely, all over the place, yeah. What, how do we fight against that? Um, it's reverse engineering what the goal of giving in the first place is. And it's, number one, a gift should be something that you need, right? It should be something that's going to bring value to your life. So when I think of a gift, I think of time, something thoughtful, like, hey, I can help you out with rent. Suddenly that has turned into I'm going to demonstrate the the depths of my affection for you. And so I think it's going back and looking in the mirror and saying, why am I giving this gift? Am I giving it to honor a person that I love? Am I giving it to try to make myself feel better? And if it's anything other than bring somebody else joy, don't give the gift or at least pause and put the brakes on, man, because all the other stuff is hollow. Hmm. So let's say someone gives you a gift and you didn't get them one. How do you handle that when it's kind of Oof. unexpected and you go, oh, gosh, I feel this this guilt of like I got to get them a gift now. There's this quid pro quo. You did something for me. Now I got to do something for you. I am somebody who spent a lot of years trying to figure out how to balance relational equations. I spent a lot of years thinking I owed people things. And what ended up happening was I would spend money I didn't have. I would go out of my way to do things I didn't have time to do. I would try to make up this gift at the expense of this relationship. And only recently, the past couple of years, I've defaulted to two important things. Number one, if there's awkward, I call it out and put it on the table, right? Somebody buys me a really nice gift and I look at them and go, I didn't get you anything. I'm so sorry. I got you literally nothing. And I don't have the financial capacity. I'm sorry. Here's where we find ourselves. This is super awkward. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for this gift. And I wish I'd gotten you something, but I didn't. Thank you so much. And I have to leave it at that. The fact that I think I owe you something after that isn't right. The second thing of this is important, and I want everybody listening to this to get this. Always, always choose guilt over resentment. Choose the guilt of I didn't get him anything over I'm going to go get a credit card, buy something I can't afford, and for the next nine months, I'm going to kick myself that I didn't have one hard conversation. I should have gone. I I feel like I should have gone to this other state to go to this family thing. But if I go, I'm going to resent everybody the whole way. I'm going to be a jerk while I'm there. I'm going to be annoyed. I'm going to be mad when I get back and check out my credit card bill. Choose guilt over resentment. Don't live in guilt, but choose guilt over resentment every time. That's a good word. So let's talk about this idea of budgeting because you just talked about people going into debt, which is probably the worst thing you can do. It's bonkers. Uh, Even 
beyond overspending with money you have is overspending and doing it with debt. So how do you take a realistic approach to your budget and managing expectations from family in this season? I do that in what I would call in very intentional order, which is my wife and I have financial goals. We have financial realities. We have bills that we have to pay. I am not going to let a what feels like what the culture tells us is a wheels off season. I'm not going to let that get in the way of my financial realities. I'm not going to let that get in the way of our financial goals that are two and five and ten years down the road. That also means I'm not going to pretend Christmas doesn't come on the same day every year. So I'm going to budget for Christmas showing. I'm not going to get to November and go, what? oh, no, Christmas showed up. It, like it surprised us. Um, so I'm going to be intentional about saving. Let's say you're in debt and so you're trying to limit all spending mm-hmm. and the holidays are around the corner. Let's say I'm the family mm-hmm. and you have to tell me that, hey, we can't afford gifts at all this year mm-hmm. for you all. How do you have that conversation? Number one, I'm going to be gentle and intentional. And I'm going to go first. And I'm going to be clear about what we can do. I'm going to be clear about what we can't do. And I'm not going to apologize for it. And if they choose to react immaturely or like children, that's their choice. That's not on me. What I can control is me. I can control my integrity, my honesty, my clarity, and going first, not him hawing not beating around the bush. I'm just going to put it out there as early as I know it. So it's early November. I'm going to say... Here's the situation here. So how can people have the Christmas that they want to have? You talk on your show about setting boundaries, and Mm -hmm. Christmas can be a stressful time, and it can be hard to put those boundaries up. And a lot of times we just eat it and get stressed, and anger bubbles up. And there's invitations that you have to accept and decline, Mm -hmm. and whose family are going to go to for Christmas. This can be really stressful when it comes to all these commitments and full calendars. So how do you do Christmas the right way? I wish I could say I got this from grad schooler but I actually got this from my wife and she actually she is a genius genius, yeah it was several years ago that she called out like holidays are stressful we were going back and forth to different cities to different grandparents and different parents and it was just chaotic and it came from her saying the holidays are an important season for us as a family it's an important time of renewal of vision casting because we're coming to the new year it's also an important spiritual time for our family I want this to feel a certain way and for us to feel at peace in the holidays, for us to not feel crazy, not to us to be stressing the budget. We have to do the following things that are going to achieve these feelings. And we often do the other way around. We often wait till we feel things. I don't feel like working out. I don't feel like eating healthy today. And if you get there, it's bust, right? So we begin to look at holidays and say, what does this look like? We're not going to travel on one of these holidays. We're just going to spend it at home. Our house is wide open for people to come visit us, and it's we just made the declaration, like like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy, right? Like we just declared, we're not traveling, and all of a sudden, we looked up and the world didn't collapse. And now, after four or five years, it's a family tradition for families to come to our house, and we love it. We now send out, like, here's who's sleeping where, here's who's going to bringing what. We're just as clear as can be. It's almost like a, a strategic plan. We're that clear on it. But we started with the end in mind. Old Stephen Covey, what do we want to feel like on Christmas morning? What do we want to feel like on January 1st? What do we want to feel like on Thanksgiving? And let's do the things. Let's have the conversations upstream that are going to get us here. Even last year, we sent out the information. Here are things we are not talking about. We will not talk about this. We will not talk about this. And when it came up, of course it does, we were able to point back, nope, we all said we're not talking about that. 
we all said we're not bringing a bunch of trash this year because we always eat too much and we feel like garbage. And then so someone's like, hey, let's go get a bunch of junk food. Everyone's like, no, we all agreed because we had this email that went around. It was awesome. So it's just somebody calling it out. Yeah, that helps to avoid a lot of that awkwardness, a lot of the stress. And holidays for a lot of people, it can bring a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And obviously your focus is mental health, and there's so much pressure around the holidays, Mm -hmm. and you start to feel this anxiety around it. So what are some of the best practices for this time of year in regards to our mental health? The, the number one thing that people skip over is grief. Grieving of a fantasy. I wish that I had in-laws that would just come over and be cool, and I don't. I wish that when we drew this boundary, my mom hadn't thrown a temper tantrum, and she did. I wish my husband or my dad that I, that passed away this past year was here with us, and they're not. I wish I made this much money that would allow us to do these things, and we I could only buy two gifts for my kids and none for my spouse. We blow over those things. And when we don't sit and grieve those things, they turn into anger or lack of sleep or drink too much or eat too much. We leap into these coping behaviors. And all of us are, by the way. And so it's grieving. It's owning reality versus this fantasy. And we just have this picture of a myth or a picture of a fantasy. It doesn't come true. And instead of sitting in it, we try to just get frustrated over it. Dude, your grandmother's going to be your grandmother. Your mom is going to respond to these boundaries, and you know exactly how she's going to respond. So pretending like you're shocked when she does is the recipe for mental health challenges. Own the reality. Know she's going to throw a temper tantrum. Know she's going to say, I can't believe you don't love me enough to eat my pie when you're just trying to, what, get healthy. Know that's coming, and then live in that reality, and then don't eat the pie. (laughs) You know what I mean? Don't eat the pie. Yeah. So give us some final encouragement as we enter this crazy season Mm -hmm. of holiday spending and budgets are going haywire and it feels like we can't get full control. We just have to stomach through the holidays and then we'll figure it out on the other side. So if you have a partner, if you're dating somebody seriously, if you're married to somebody, go to breakfast and go sit on a park bench somewhere. I don't care. Take a, a yellow pad or a notebook. And just write out what would our dream Christmas look like. And then within the reality of your budget, the reality of your work schedule, the reality of your family situation, not we have to take the kids to grandparents. No, you don't. We have to. No, you don't. You don't have to do anything. Reverse engineer this thing and say, how can we make this a reality? How can we honor our parents? How can we honor our kids? How can we honor our work commitments? But also honor this holiday and don't let the shopping, don't let the expectations, don't let your buddies, oh, I'm buying my kid this, I'm buying, don't let any of that speak into this. You all get somewhere quiet. And if you're by yourself, what's a Friendsgiving going to look like? What is Christmas, a misfit Christmas? What is it going to look like? And make that happen the reality, not this gap, this grief, this <gasps> fantasy that's not coming true. Don't let other people put expectations on you that you can't afford that don't bring you joy and that don't bring you closer to the people that you love man i feel better already dr d made it clear you get to decide your expectations and then go about the business of making that happen when our expectations and the expectations of those around us get out of whack our lives can get out of whack so we got to do whatever we can to keep our lives in whack And after talking to a lot of smart people in this episode, I've got some takeaways for us all to have a healthier holiday season. 
Number one, we've got to stick to reality and set the right expectations when it comes to traditions, travel, and gift spending. Have the hard conversations with family early on, set your boundaries, stand your ground, and learn to say no. Number two, we've got to stick to a budget and set ourselves up to get through the holidays debt-free. That means planning early. Don't bust the budget over some last-minute shopping. Make a list of who you plan on getting gifts for, set the exact dollar amount, and stick to it. We should go into this holiday season expecting items to cost more because of this supply chain grinch trying to steal our Christmas joy. So be sure to take those higher prices into consideration when you budget. Do your homework and your research so you'll know where the best deals are and when those deals are happening. Be strategic and don't get sucked into the hype. And if you follow the advice of the people in this episode, you just might have the happiest of holidays with no regrets and no debt. And hopefully, no store-bought fruitcake. You've been listening to The Fine Print. If you enjoyed it, subscribe, follow, rate, and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with a friend who might need some holiday cheer. Our show is produced by Chris Wright, Eric Cheslevich, and Christine. Our associate producer is Amanda Rogers. This episode was engineered and mixed by Will Rudder. Special thanks to Tom Booker and Andy Barton for help with writing and research. Our executive producer is Blake Thompson. I'm George Camel, and remember, if the Hallmark Channel can release another 41 Christmas movies and still land under budget this year, then you have no excuse to overspend on Yuletide cheer. Fine print listeners, we want to hear from you. Yeah, you. If you've got a story of falling for a money trap, believing a money myth, or not reading the fine print, give us a call and tell us all about it. You can call us at 855-855-5776. That's 855-855-5776. Or you can always email us at thefineprint at ramseysolutions.com. And to make life easy for you, we've got all that info in the episode show notes.